Hey neighbors, Samuel here. I just wanted to give you a couple quick updates before we started the episode. First thing I wanted to say was please reach out to us if you have any thoughts or comments or experiences related to our episodes. We so love making this a community, so please definitely reach out to us. You can do that by going to Facebook or Instagram and searching Community Roots Dot pod, or you can email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. So definitely shoot us a message or an email, and we would love to hear from you. I also wanted to shout out our international listeners. I can see you, we all can, and we are so appreciative of you tuning into our episodes. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you are interested in helping us spread to different countries and different parts of the United States, anywhere really, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That is the best way that we can spread. They put us on our up and rising charts or recommend them to people who listen to similar podcasts like we do. So your rates and reviews definitely help us out. So if you have the time, please go and rate and review us. Lastly, I just wanted to mention our Patreon. Uh, go ahead and go to patreon.com backslash community roots pod. You can get access to different bonus content. I was talking to mom and Sarah about putting up the video recordings of our episodes that we do every week. So definitely go check us out. Help us support us in that way. And we so appreciate your support. So I won't keep you any longer. Please enjoy this episode of Community Roots, and we will see you next week. Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield. And uh, today, yet another big topic, uh, Mother's Day and relevant too. We're kind of taking a dive into the bringers of life. You remember that Cosby episode where they're like, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> yeah. A reference mom will get. There you go. I spent a lot of years watching that family. I thought it would be interesting for us to have a conversation around Mother's Day, just realizing primarily through social media, which is a lot of our connection in this quarantine is, you know, what are people sharing and talking about and things like that. And in a way, it's a conversation that I thought would be helpful for us as Community Roots to visit and enter into the complexities of Mother's Day. Um, for some people, it's a very beautiful, wonderful uh, remembrance of their own mothers or the opportunity to be a mother. And then for others, 
it brings a lot of sadness and pain and heaviness. So I thought we could just kind of talk about some of the conflicting feelings and how we experience that holiday, what it means to us. And at the time when we are releasing this episode, it'll be after Mother's Day, but also um, before Father's Day. And so some of these same themes kind of come up on either one of these holidays. Um, As a clinician, as a therapist, I notice um, pretty annually every year that it's likely that that topic is going to come up in sessions, that people have unresolved feelings, emotions, hurt, trauma around our mothers and fathers. It seems like often with uh, holidays, it's good to just tread lightly. It seems like a trigger point for a lot of people. I know I try to keep it very casual, very um, high level, I think, especially you mentioned the holidays, Samuel, I mean, including Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics. And I I try to, I tend to treat Mother's Day and Father's Day somewhat similar, just a very generic um, happy Father's Day, happy Mother's Day text, and then I'm done. It definitely has different meaning to everyone. And sometimes we put almost like Christmas, for instance, you put so much hope into this perfect celebration together that it will be almost magical or beautiful in so many ways. And it can be in its simplicity and you know, different traditions or time spent together, things that are meaningful. But I found in just kind of being a witness to some of the uh, conversations that were happening within different groups on uh, Facebook, for instance, or or hearing people share on social media, um, it's great to have that sense of a support group that people are willing to share what they feel. And it was also kind of enlightening to how much pain sometimes people have in how they're interpreting what a good Mother's Day should look like, or what it shouldn't be like. And I just wanted to kind of bring that up for some discussion. Um, why why is that? Why why are holidays trigger points for a lot of people? Is that because like there are so many stories about perfect holidays or commercials talking about why the perfect mother to stay involves flowers? Is is that why? And then so whenever it doesn't live up to those expectations, um, it, it's like essentially very easy to not live up to those expectations. So is that why they're trigger points? Like what what in particular kind of make holidays such a conversation? If I can chime in just really fast, one of the things I think of is the princess and the pea. So if you have a really strong relationship with your family, those are very cohesive and bond and wonderfully bonding moments. You know, you want to celebrate your mom, you want to celebrate your father, you want to celebrate being together as family during the holidays. But if there's the slightest rift, if there's anything um, that's not working out, if your relationship has, you know, bumps and bruises, which most do, then you can, that resentment or that bitterness or whatever you're feeling can be highlighted 
by that day because you don't want to spend it with your mom or you don't want to spend it with your father. You don't want to spend it with family. And then you compound that with the expectation for what it's supposed to look like. And then it's even it's an even greater highlight of the dysfunction or whatever of of a family is how I've always viewed it. That makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense, Sarah. I think there's a lot of media hype about it. There's certainly a lot of um, like commercialism around, you know, what can we, let's have one more holiday that people can spend money and, and, you know, have things, have the price of everything go up and prove yourself with what you've purchased. I, I mean, that, that part of it is kind of frustrating or annoying. Like, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, all these extra holidays of just, there's usually candy associated with it, <laughs> flowers associated with it. It's all the, like, so where where do we miss kind of the point? Or, I don't know, it becomes something that, I know sometimes people put so much emphasis on that one day that it's such a relief to be able to think of it as it is one day and the next day, you can move forward and not have to stay stuck there. You don't have to continually uh, keep processing and thinking about really hard, sad moments or disappointments or things like that. Yeah, for sure. There's a definite relief in a timeline. (laughs) You've got 24 hours where you can either not do enough or, you know, not do enough. And then, then you're off the hook after that. There was one post that I had read that really struck me because um, this woman was describing how much pain she was in, which I certainly obviously honor and respect someone's experience and grief and what that feels like for them. It's very important. And at the same time, I wondered how do we contribute to our own grief and increase our own suffering by the interpretation that we give to something. So in other words, with this particular person, if you interpret it that that um, maybe your son, for instance, is not caring or ungrateful or insensitive and you kind of put a judgment, um, critical kind of emotion on how could he not recognize this day more and do more for me and acknowledge me. But if we go to the the root of what's underneath that, I can't help but wonder how are we trying to resolve our hurt feelings or our empty holes, our gaps in our life of what we didn't get and what we needed and putting some kind of expectation in this case, on our child, even if they're an adult now, to meet this deep need that's bigger than just, I mean, it's its so often linked to more than that. It's linked to um, what did this woman, this mom in that instance, kind of not get her needs met in her own childhood story and her own family of origin and her own maybe other hurt relationships of people that haven't been available to her or um, 
just different hurts that have accumulated and then hoping somehow that, well, on Mother's Day, I'll be honored and remembered and respected and all these great things will help me feel more complete and more connected and more valued and wanted in this world. Like that's a whole lot of expectation to put on a child, no matter even if they are an adult, to meet that substantial of needs. Yeah, both the child and the day, you know. Right. It is It is sad just thinking about that child who hasn't received what it needed. So even though it's unhealthy, it's this person reaching out and trying to say like, that they didn't get the family experience and they're putting all this expectation on one person, but that since they didn't get it prior, uh, they want it now. And so I wonder too, um, in terms of if you are in that position, wherever you're and you realize, Hey, I'm putting, maybe you're like waiting by the phone and you're waiting for your daughter to call cause it's mother's day. And um, just being able to maybe like recenter, and I think having those like waiting and for a call is okay, but just being able to like recenter and say how much of this is actually okay and healthy, and how much of this is just me putting in a lot of expectations in one day and one person. I think that's really smart. I think you're what you're challenging is these maybe preconceived not just preconceived notions but this unhealthy relationship um that you might be having with your children if you're so dependent on them for your own happiness julie you had kind of talked about that when we were getting our our uh, briefing on earlier about um how the parent provide i don't want to bungle your words but essentially it was the parent's providing for the children and then, um, you know, then expecting the children to fulfill those needs um, that they had. You can say this a little bit more eloquently, I think. Well, what I was referring to was Pia Melody's model of developmental um, trauma and how our needs are intended to be met as we grow up with attentive parents that are um, paying attention to giving us a voice and showing us that we're precious and valuable and protecting us and helping us to understand what our reality is so that we develop a strong sense of self, um, to live in moderation and to have good, healthy self-care. Those five core areas that we just uh, recently talked about on Off the Beaten Path with Jan Bergstrom on Pia Melody's model. And what that translates to uh, is that if we were to have a healthy childhood and those needs were met, then we would uh, be raised in that secure attachment, that secure sense of self. So I don't rely on my child to fill the gaps and holes from my childhood that weren't met by my attachment relationships looking a generation back. Like when I, when I look back on my life, am I able to see my past as um, more resolved and worked through and healed? Because likely there were gaps and holes for all of us. 
I mean, I think parents probably do the best that they can with what they know, but then there are areas where we might have some holes and gaps of where our needs aren't met. And it's okay that that happens, but how we get those needs met now in our adulthood cannot come from our children meeting those needs because the role of the parent is always to give the energy out towards meeting the needs of the child rather than the child meeting with a role reversal, the child meeting the needs of the parent so that the energy in that case would be that the parent is kind of sucking energy out of the child to try to meet their own needs and fill their own holes. And I think these kinds of dynamics can come to play in putting too much emphasis on, like Samuel worded it, one day or one person. Because we might be reflecting back on our past to think, I'm not sure if I feel loved or appreciated or cared for or um, that someone would be connected with me. Or they have these gaps and holes and they think, well, I need you to fill that space for me. And it's really like an unhealthy way to do it. Yeah, the the image that comes to mind for me is kind of uh, the kind of uh, football coach or something or football dad pushing it, their child too hard because they felt like they weren't pushed hard enough and they didn't make it. So trying to get their kid to kind of live up to their expectations. I, I was wondering, though, and... Um, I, I can totally see that situation play out where s- parents like lean too heavily on their kids, but is there a point that that can change? Like once you're older, uh, you know, like kind of how we're working in a podcast together, like, does that role ever change? <laughs> is it so much of a relying when they get like for elder care, I think is what we're talking about. Right, Samuel? Or even just like an adult relationship, you know, like how mom and I are collaborating on this podcast, like how the relationship has changed since I've been a kid. And it's still like obviously a a mother and son relationship in the regular day to day. But um, I, I just was curious, is there a point that that relationship changes where it's just two adults sitting in a room rather than a parent and a child? I think it definitely makes sense to have things like if if I use that parallel example of the podcast, um, it makes sense that we have things we're collaborating on that we're talking about. And that like if we look at community roots, you are the one leading it. You are the one organizing things or managing it. But I think what I'm referring to that becomes a concern to me is whenever there's this sense of vulnerability of unresolved needs and uh, potentially things that are really coming from our own past history of trauma or hurt or pain and expecting that our child would be the one to fill in that gap or meet that need. Like that to me... I would tread really lightly on something like that because it makes a lot more sense to say, I don't care what age my kids are. I want them to know that it's not their job to um, 
carry the weight of of my emotions. That's not to say that I don't want to have like a meaningful exchange or connection or um, sharing of hearts or being vulnerable with. But I think whenever, particularly I read that one entry where the person is putting so much weight on this child, even though he's an adult, he's married now with a wife and children. And I could hear the pain of this mother and grandmother that's really linked back so much further than just her son, that it's not even about the son anymore. It's about the the magnitude of her own past and history that she's now transferred over to the son, that her disappointment in him for not being more supportive or acknowledging enough is really not about I guess this was my point. It's really not about her son as much as it is she has an unresolved history that really needs worked through, most likely in therapy and in walking a healing journey of figuring out what her childhood meant to her, what her family of origin and parent dynamics meant to her, rather than expecting all of this expectation and hope and fulfillment to come from her adult son. She's put a lot of weight on that one thing. So I don't think it's to say you can't ever have an adult conversation and sharing hearts or being vulnerable or things like that. I think that would be something very different than putting the depth and the weight and the pain all on this child. Like that was the sense I got as I read it was it was kind of like this role reversal. She was expecting him to meet basically old needs that she had carried her whole life being raised in an alcoholic family and uh, in dynamics in her marriage that weren't meeting her needs and then expecting the son to come in and uh, take that place of some of those things. I just had some concern about that. So for maybe the parents listening to this, um, if you are feeling some sort of pang, the sting of the day, um, that it's not maybe instead of turning towards your child to place the blame or, um, you know, looking at your, your children to fulfill the needs of quote unquote the day, it's a, it's a hint. It's a huge blaring hint that you have unresolved, um, trauma in your past. And, you know, it's so easy to point the fingers, um, maybe at the people who we think are causing us the pain, but if we take a little bit more of a, uh, a deeper dive into it, we'll reckon, we'll see that, you know, we have so much in our past that's unresolved. I think that's really well said, Sarah. Maybe even too, you know what that I think as well is just like the necessity of everybody to have good mental health practices and probably to see a therapist. You know, when whenever we fight for universal health care, we should also include mental health in that health care because, um, well, I just see how this plays out in terms of also like we are looking at kind of this relationship between mother and child and potentially just parent and child. But to say that it can also exist in friendships and stuff like that that could potentially be unhealthy as well like maybe uh it was the day 
I, I just saw an episode on this on a TV show, which is like their friend's day, the first day that they met, and uh, one friend putting a lot of weight onto that single day, you know, and how that they interact with that anniversary. So I just kind of see just the importance of mental health. And then I guess the extra vulnerabilities that come with having a child in terms of if you have poor mental health or something that's unresolved, it impacts and uh, it like kind of doubles the impact because it affects like a child's development as well. Yeah, it compounds. You know, you have your unresolved issues, unresolved um, experiences in the past, and now you're going to have unresolved uh, relationships going forward. You have past and future and, of course, the present, but it's all being, you know, summed up in this relationship with your child and from child to their parents. So if you're a child experiencing this um, uh, resentment or bitterness, bitterness towards the day, then it's worth taking a look at that past relationship with your with your family and getting that mental health uh, treatment that uh, will will provide healing. And also, can we just talk about what a great society we live in at this point where we can say we want mental health built into um, healthcare going forward? I know that we have a lot of issues with, with healthcare. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> I know. As much as it's, it, you know, it's not working right now, I think it's kind of interesting that we live in a, in a time where we can talk about mental health. And value it and know that it's needed. Yeah. You know what's interesting that I'd love to talk with you all and maybe teaser in the future? Maybe one of these can be like Samuel history dives. But it's really interesting learning about some Native American societies and how they prioritized mental health and like working together to achieve a goal. Like the the goal in conflict wasn't necessarily war and stealing resources is how can we work on that. So often the Native American like dive into diplomacy is seen as like an equivalent of like the European dive into war. And so it's interesting. It would be so interesting to see kind of some Native American mental health techniques that have been in use for thousands of years. But I do think it's, it is interesting, maybe not in our current society, but rather speaking to the science that's coming out recently, uh, that can support kind of good mental health practices, you know, that isn't just based off of um, tradition. I think I have that book, Childhood Disrupted. I would love to unpack Childhood Disrupted with uh, our listeners. It is a book that talks about, in the first half of the book, it mentions ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and Trauma, and how that impacts the biology and our our various systems and our health that, you know, cause inflammation or um, various diseases. And then the second half of the book is all on healing and resiliency. Super awesome. You know, uh, I have a friend who like lost, I have a couple friends who have lost their moms. And so sometimes like Mother's Day could probably be a trigger back to that. Like maybe you have a good relationship, but it's over. Uh, if we could just talk about 
grief as well, kind of like the other side, like being able to tone down your expectations, but maybe also being able to talk about grief. And I know we, we've talked about uh, it in a prior episode, but maybe touching on it again. Yeah, definitely the the pain and the sadness of not having someone with you in person could could be caused by death and can be also caused by quarantine and distance that is happening because of the pandemic. I mean, there's that sense of positive relationships that they really matter and there's so much meaning and that you want to be together and the sadness and the pain and the hurt of grief that you're not together. I think one of the things that is helpful in that, not to fix it, it's never a problem that we're trying to solve or something that can be fixed or, um, you know, it doesn't help to put a Band-Aid on something. But one of the things that I personally hold on to as a mom or in the idea of things of loss is that we will always have what we choose to keep. Um, And what I mean by that is for me as a mom, you know, my kids aren't little anymore. And so I don't have babies and I don't have toddlers and preschool and going through all the different ages and stages and to be fair, I'm really thankful for that. <laughs> so <laughs> no more some, diapers. Some people say like, in fact, I, I heard it said to me, I know that's really hard for you. And I was thinking, maybe, maybe you can ask what it's like for me, because it's not, it's not a negative, bad, sad thing, or even necessarily a painful thing. How I kind of view it is it's something that I will always have. I will always cherish those times. And I don't know that I would want to go back and be in that place again. I would rather continue to um, connect and grow and move forward. And I think part of um, something that's hard for parents to grasp is that ultimately we're raising children who can be their own person and be independent and launch. And so it's not really intended that our children are, you know, connected to the hip with us for their entire lives. Hopefully we can have healthy relationships and conversations and connections and things that are always meaningful, but ultimately they're their own person. They're not an extension of me. And I don't need to view my life as incomplete if they're not there to complete me. I get to be um, a whole person in and of myself and and to be grateful and thankful for the experiences that I've had as a mom, but not putting that expectation on my children that they should um, always be there to meet my needs or um, fulfill me or complete me. There's an element I hear of letting go um, in order to become in order to create a stronger bond in order to have a healthier relationship. And it's not as, it's not as simple as letting go, but there is an aspect of that. I always, I think that I've been an advocate for self-talk, being able to talk to yourself and just um, work through what's going on or uh, something new that I visualized since our interview with who is before Jan? Jamie. 
Something that I've been uh, doing since uh, our interview with Jamie has been visualizing stuff, which I think has been helpful as well. And so to almost visualize a conversation, uh, sometimes for me, whenever I'm connecting this to grief in some ways, um, whenever I'm like grieving or I'm feeling that emotion, like that anxiety of like, oh, here comes like some grief, you know, just letting it happen, letting it wash over me and just maybe even visualizing it or the person that I'm missing or the thing that I'm missing and uh, having talking to myself about it to be able to say, like, it's okay to feel grief or, um, like, they've had a big impact on my life even if they're not here right now. Like, there are a couple of things that I kind of can self-talk through that uh, I've been practicing recently as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's okay that they matter to us, those people, those things that are so impactful the reason why they have so much um, influence on us is because they do matter and our love is so deep and that's okay. And I think, I think it's exactly how you're describing it, Samuel, that it's, you know, allowing that feeling to be there and accepting it, welcoming it, learning from it, listening to it rather than fighting against it, that we can't feel that way because that's, like where we end up in more inner turmoil, I think. I think we do want to acknowledge the the hurt and the pain of those who long to be a mother and um, that that can take a lot of different forms for people of how we are uh, women who give life and... Um, encourage depth and meaning and purpose and others and encouragement to others and uh, how we invest in people, that that's kind of the essence of a lot of what motherhood can mean. And that can take a lot of different shapes. We can have people who are mentors to us that are meaningful to us that we feel connected to and grateful for and it expands beyond just uh, biological relationships um, to other people who have really had our back or could really hear us or see us or understand us or care for us, that nurturing quality that is so important. Yeah, I was ready to celebrate Mother's Day as sort of an International Women's Day, you know, part two. And that I've had a lot of just strong female influence on my life that hasn't really even come from like a position from a mother or anything like that, or even that sort of role, but rather just from a strong female influence that I feel learned by and like grown by. And so I was thinking of all the women who've played a big part in my life for this Mother's Day. You know, there is something to be said for recognizing um, the the import, the women in your life, uh, regardless if they're a mother or not. It's all about nurturing the motherhood. Like you were saying, Julie, is um, pouring energy into your children. And you've been mothered if anybody's poured energy into you, I think. Or you've been parented if somebody's poured energy into you. Just like you're saying, Samuel, with international women, you know, celebrating that. 
to those of our listeners that Mother's Day or Father's Day is a hard day, uh, we want you to know that it's okay to feel sad and to grieve, and it's okay for that to take as long as you need. And on the flip side of that, to continue into it a little bit further, is to say that it's okay to also come alive with new perspectives and have new hope and new joy that um, you continue to build relationships and make investments in yourself and in, in your family and um, the people that are important to you. You get to continue to keep investing well and whatever that might look like. Our relationships change and um, things kind of evolve with time and we're in a new place now than we used to be before. But even that can be celebrated and kind of it's okay to be reflective and remember the good things or even reflect on the hard things and to just come back to today and being present today with how we want to invest in, in healing and in relationships and in each other. (laughs) It's just summed it up so well. I've got nothing but gratitude for that. It's so caring and compassionate. And two, you know, for those of us that it, that these holidays stir something up of, like you were saying earlier, Sarah, about, you know, if there is something unresolved, if there are hurts that seem to linger or needs that didn't get met or things that feel particularly uh, raw, then I really liked how you said it, just that that's a great indicator to us to keep doing the work. And, and we've found, we've kind of uncovered a place that, we could invest in some healing to work it through, not to avoid it or bury it or, um, you know, eat more, work more, something so that we don't have to feel it or face it, but instead to say, this is what I'm noticing. And I think that's something that I need to give some time and attention to more healing there. I also want to maybe shout out to the people who are, a support to somebody who finds Mother's Day or Father's Day difficult. And what I was thinking about, what mom has requested previously, which is just sitting with someone and maybe understanding that you don't have to fill the role of the mother or father. You can just kind of sit with somebody through their like difficult time and through their processing. And so I know... Often, sometimes the unsung heroes are the people that uh, sit with us and who are really caring for their friends and stuff. So I was just thinking sometimes we try to fix people when maybe just being there with them is uh, doing a lot. Well, every episode we like to end with gratitude. Um, So... Uh, ending this week's gratitude is going to be my chickens again. I'll mention my chickens for the umpteenth time. It's just, you know, whenever you're in quarantine and you have chickens, it's just a lot of drama and it's, oh, what's going on, you know? I, I sent my grandma a video on Mother's Day and she was like, it's better than TV and it's pretty crazy. But, um, uh, I was just noticing how much they grew up and they're pretty much about to look like they're coming into their last feather growth, like before they look like they're forever chicken. 
So uh, I'm enjoying this last, like, they look like chicks, and then they're about to gonna look like big chickens. Do they go through, like, the teenage angsty time, too? Oh, hardcore. You know what? One we called Bernie Sanders because they had fluff. It had fluff, like, all the way, like, around <laughs> and, like, a balding look. And uh, it was really funny. It was really, like, feisty, too. It would always, like, uh, like run up quick. I don't know. I, I, I pegged it as a fighter, but. I like the move you just made. You know, with the, that's like, what they do. They and for those running, they like push their arms close to their sides, so they kind of and then they bob and weave. <laughs> They're like, "I'm coming at you, bro." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. The last thing I'm grateful for, I'm I'm gonna jump on real quick, is if you actually Google uh like, um, birds with arms and people edit little arms onto the birds and so they run in its little stick figure <laughs> doodle arms on the side and it does make uh the movements the bob and wave movements much better but anyway i'm done i could go forever with gratitudes you know how it is <laughs> you want to go sarah yes um let me think of something i'm grateful for <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I have to think a little harder yeah no i'm just um I am, I am so grateful for this weather and I know it's rainy outside or it's going to rain or, or whatever, but it's getting warmer, which means we can be outside and being outside is something that is, has been blessed by the CDC and physicians and experts everywhere. Um, so I am just eternally grateful to be getting outside and, you know, dreary days do weigh down on my, my soul and cold dreary days way down even more sometimes and you know the last couple of days I've been able to get out and go for a couple long walks and hear the birds and you know the sun is just oh just makes my heart so happy well I'm going to say I'm thankful for uh, balance and pacing because I I'm just reflecting this week on I'm really grateful whenever there are days that I can uh, work hard and connect with people. And then I'm also thankful for times that I can slow down and rest and have, um, safe people that I can kind of process with and just that whole cycle of, um, being able to give to others and then also being able to replenish ourselves. I think just, I'm grateful for what that um, process looks like on both ends of that well we are going to wrap up this week um happy mother's day to everyone and i hope you're doing well in this current state of affairs we think about you all often we're constantly thinking about ways that we can improve the show i'm excited for a couple of cool new things coming up including uh, next week you guys will hear again from uh, Kristen who is our ADHD person who's going to be coming back so I'm so excited for that so we'll see you all next week uh, yeah, hope you're doing well